Welcome to the NBA Turnover Podcast. We're here with a NBA draft special. So while uh, COVID cases are on the rise and while the season is right around the corner and there's a lot of anxiety amongst uh, us in the turnover panel, we're going to try and put that aside for now, just like the NBA is, and talk mm-hmm. about our upcoming draft. Um, so today our draft beatniks, you've got, uh, you've got me, Kenny, and then we've also got Alex with us today. Hello. And Alex, how much do you know about the NBA draft? Uh, I know nothing. I don't even know what the expected, yeah, how, awesome. how it's how it's expected to shake down. So um, we will see how this goes. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, no worries at all. And then someone with a little more uh, NBA draft experience, uh, Daniel's with us today. Hey guys, I love the draft. I love the NBA draft. I love the NFL draft. Sometimes I like the draft more than the actual season itself because my teams will be doing so poorly. So this is a very exciting time of year. What do you uh, what do you love about the draft? I love the idea of possibility. I like thinking that every team actually thinks that they're going to get better. You know, mm. it's a very positive time of year. Um, I also <laughs> like it when projections are completely wrong from what's happening because you build this idea of like how a narrative is supposed to go, and when it's very surprisingly turns the other way, I think that's very fun. Yeah, I, I would completely agree. I think as as a Knicks fan, the draft has been something to look forward uh, to. Although I will say in recent years, there's, there's a little bit of draft fatigue. Seems like the Knicks always have a top 10 pick and then it either gets traded away or nothing really happens with it. But uh, I guess to let our audience know about our, our very loose rules for today. Um, basically, we have taken uh, the Ringers top 12 prospects off of Kevin O'Connor's big board. And we have given everyone a set of highlights to go with. So so Alex will not be going in completely blind. He will be going in with at least five to six minutes of footage per play. It, it will be very close to the blind, though. I, I watched all the footage, but <laughs> I feel like a lot of a lot of the tools I used was basically the YouTube comments and what people were saying. About You're representing the, the people today, Alex. Yeah, I am I'm I'm merely just yeah, gathering the thoughts and synthesizing what the YouTube comments feel would be the best uh draft picks. All right. So, um it will it'll be interesting. Uh here's what we're going to do. Uh I will give you guys the top 2 picks. I'll go ahead and pick third. Um but I guess in order to see who wins the number 1 pick, I'm thinking of a number between uh 1 and 50. Uh, Alex, what is your guess? 18. Okay, Daniel? 19. Okay, it was the number I think was 37. So, <laughs> so Daniel gets the number one pick, Alex will pick second, and I will pick third. Um, yeah, you know, feel free to either make the pick based off of uh, the, the mock, your kind of big board, who you think is going to be the best player. Or if you want, you know, feel free to, you know, take in some of those team concerns too. So I've also got the uh, a lot of draft information in front of me. So if anyone needs a reminder of who's got the pick or maybe some information about certain players, I am on standby to look that up. So, uh, Daniel, we've given you the number one pick in the NBA draft. Who's it going to be? All right. So I think that the Minnesota Timberwolves with the number one draft pick are in a really interesting position because they're not your classic number one team. Typically, it's one of those horrendous 
New York Knicks teams or horrendous Charlotte Hornets teams are picking the top three, where it doesn't really matter what piece you give them, there's not really any hope uh, for at least that upcoming season. The Timberwolves are an interesting place because they do have two young cornerstones in place with Cat and D'Angelo Russell. And now I think as a team manager, I'm doing my best to try to think about exactly which of these talented players are going to complement them best, uh, both this season and like for the future. So going off of like what I imagine to be like the consensus top three, like Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, and James Wiseman, I, you know, I don't think that LaMelo is going to fit very well with D'Angelo because D'Angelo is going to be wanting the running the show. And I think that James Wiseman, a lot of his skill set overlaps with Carl Anthony Towns. So for them, I'm going to give the guy who could potentially become the biggest difference maker in this draft in Anthony Edwards. I think the guy's an incredibly explosive athlete. Um, you know, all of the things that he's been knocked on, I think, can be worked upon with an NBA guide and an NBA coach. The problem is that, like, this guy's an insane athlete. You can't teach that to anyone, and I think if you're the Wolves, you're going for that sort of, like, go home or uh, go big or go home type of move. All right, so the Wolves will take the best athlete. Um, Alex, uh, the people, what do the people think about Anthony Edwards? People like Anthony Edwards. That's why, that's not my number one rank as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know, I, just watching the footage, just good handling, confident shooter. Um, I think there's a lot of potential with them. Yeah, he's built like a uh, football player, which which I find interesting. So I feel like he could be a really great athletic defender, but the still a lot of question marks. The jump shot looked really good in the highlights, um, but I know the mechanics look a little weird and inconsistent, and he's not, you know, tall enough to be a wing either. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how he pans out. I had some some questions about him and then some people also think that he has a goofball personality which i think we're all excited to see in the nba um let's keep things chugging along alex you have the number two pick so right. you could take in team consideration here and i believe Is the number state? two pick belongs to the golden state warriors so would would the golden state be trying to get someone that they would they would trade uh, yeah, possibly. What, what is the Golden State strategy? Way. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I'll go for the safe choice. My my on my personal ranking or the the people's ranking, number <laughs> one was Edwards, and number two was Wiseman actually. Um, and I don't know this this guy just like he has an incredible wingspan. Um, he can rebound from anywhere. I feel and yeah, I, I think there's just uh, a lot of potential with them. And so I feel like Golden State, it would make sense for them to just grab the best possible player and then they could kind of figure out whether that's someone they want to develop or um, maybe more likely trade. Yeah, good take. Um, Daniel, what do you think about Wiseman, the guy who only played like two college games? Yeah, I like that pick a lot for them. I think a lot of people are speculating all the different directions that Golden State can go. I think that if they hold the pick... You're gonna, you got to find like the guy that they've been missing this entire time that they've had this Warriors dynasty run. And the answer for that is clearly like a big man who can fulfill the role of like taking up rebounds, clogging the paint, playing the pick and roll and getting to the rim. Like, let's think about some of these guys who've been in that position for them over the past few years. You know, it's like JaVale McGee was starting them at one point. Like, like that is not the type of team that they have to field with the number two pick. 
So I like Wiseman there because he can play the rim runner right now and also develop some of these softer skills like the shooting touch as time develops. Um, I also would not have faulted Alex if he had gone with someone like Okongwu out of USC, who kind of plays a similar role as getting a lot of Bam out of bio comparisons. But I think Wiseman with the upside is a really solid way for them to go. Yeah, I had him as my number one, actually. Um, I just feel like, I don't know, watching him play, he's like gigantic, but he moves like really smoothly. Um, like he's not as heavy footed as someone like Joel Embiid. Um, which also means like, you know, maybe he's not as effective post-up player, but I just felt like, you know, he has all these interesting physical tools. Um, so I feel like he has, for me, he has like maybe more potential than Anthony Edwards um, as a defensive big, but I don't know. We'll see. He's still a very young man. Um, we'll keep things chugging along. Uh, I had a lot of trouble with this ranking. I believe the pick is for uh, your Charlotte Hornets. Is that correct, Daniel? 100 percent yeah so um oh boy i'm a little torn here they want lamello ball get some butts get some butts in the the seat i uh i'm gonna go with killian hayes i i killian hayes just slightly ranked above lamello ball I mean, okay, look, LaMelo, okay, I'll let, I'll let, we'll, we'll talk about LaMelo when we get to LaMelo. I just feel like Killian Hayes has, he has such a polished game at such a young age, and I know he played in, like, Germany, and the level of basketball is, like, not very high over there, but at the same time, like, LaMelo played in Australia, and it's not like he dominated Australia either. So, I don't know, I just feel like LaMelo had, I mean, uh, sorry, Hayes has... He has, he has some good skills. He has the step back three. He has some good passing ability. He needs to work on, you know, his right hand. But I think from what I saw in the highlights, it was like he's he's already got like a like a skill set to work with. So he's not super raw. Whereas LaMelo for me has has a lot more questions. Um, now, I don't know. I, I don't know how good Killian Hayes could be, but I do feel like he's like a safer pick and he has like some decent potential. Um, so that, that's why I would say Killian Hayes for the Charlotte Hornets. I don't know. What do you, I don't know if you, what you guys think. Cause Killian Hayes is someone who's been ranked really, really high and really, really like, or lower, lower in the lottery as well. I hate that pick. I'm so sorry. I think that Killian Hayes is highly ranked, but I don't really see it. You know, it's like, it's not like he has like one skill like LaMelo is passing that just like jumps off the screen at you. Um, you know, like, if anything, I could he doesn't play similarly to Dante Exum, but I think that they're similar in that they're, um, you know, a little bit more on, like, the passive side, and I struggle to see exactly where they come in and become, like, a difference maker for a franchise, which is what you're looking for with the top three pick. Even with a pick that might be, you know, on the more shallow end compared to some of these other drafts, at least with LaMelo, I'm like, that's, like, a home run attempt. Like, this guy could be a huge boom or a huge bust. And I think with where Charlotte's at right now, you kind of go for that home run hitter. I I think that's fair. I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like I, I really liked what I saw with the ball in, in Hayes' hands. I really like that his his skill set doesn't seem to have as many holes as, as LaMelo. And I, and I do think, like, I don't know. I'm one of those guys who saw his highlights and I was like, that's James Harden. 
So I I mean I don't want to get too hyped. Like I do I do think there is a ceiling. Um uh, you know, he like I said, he played in Germany, but I don't know. I have concerns about Lamelo, but I guess we'll get there when we get there. Um I don't know, Alex, any thoughts from the people on Killian Hayes? Uh the people like him. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a. I think he, I think he's a fun player to watch, and it feels like he already has like a few you know uh, tools in his toolkit, and like um, I feel like he's just someone that could fit into uh, a lot of these teams and 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 really make a make a big contribution. Yeah, I, I like the I like the take, but um, I guess we'll go back to to Daniel now, and I wonder if now um, the Chicago Bulls will do uh, what I think you're about to do. Is LaMelo Ball the number four pick? You know what? Yes. That's exactly the direction that I'm going. LaMelo Ball is going to the Chicago Bulls. The reason why I like this pick is looking at their past drafts, especially last year's where they took Kobe White. Kobe White is going to be a superstar. This guy gets buckets. That's all he does. And I think that if you pair a guy with the vision of LaMelo with someone like Kobe, that can be your backcourt of the future right there. I don't think that Zach Levine is a long-term piece for them. So I'm not as concerned about like the scoring volume that he would take. But it could be kind of fun to see you know, a backcourt of Ball, White, and Levine for at least one season just to see what happens. Yeah, Alex, where did you have LaMelo? And where do the people have, have LaMelo in the rankings? Uh, well, now I'm starting to feel uncomfortable speaking for all... <laughs> All the people. <laughs> I had Lamelo at number three, yeah, and mm. I think a lot of that was just based on his his passing skills, and like for me, I'm just like everything else he can develop. Can he though? That that's the big question I have. Like I don't know. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess Lonzo has gotten better at the jump shot, but I wonder like, it can Lamelo be that sponge that like. Because I feel like outside of his ball handling and his passing, he's so he's so raw, and like his jump shot is is hideous. Um, his touch in the paint is like so so, but he can't really finish in the paint either. And he's already like six six. So I don't know. I I saw like he reminded me a lot of young Sean Livingston when I was watching his highlights when Sean Livingston was considered like a really hyped point guard coming out of high school. But I I I don't know. That's why I had him below Hayes. I just like don't know how far he can develop like i feel like he could end up being uh a jason williams like player and jason williams was fun to watch but was he actually like that good was he actually like playoff team point guard good um yeah i don't know daniel how how good do you think lamella ball could be and then kind of what's his like average or worst case scenario look like i think the worst case scenario is that people treat him sort of like they treat Rondo in terms of his shooting. You know, it's like they give him 10 feet of space and then he's got no choice but to hoist up these shots that he's not comfortable taking. At the same time, something that I think that all great passers are able to to do is that they're able to make angles that your average point guard wouldn't be able to. So they're able to create space where normally there isn't any. And I think that for him, the ceiling is that he works on this jump shot, he becomes at least a respectable three-point shooter he develops some finishing skills in the lane which is not unheard of at his size and then he's also able to leverage his passing in order to create space both for himself and his teammates so I think that worst case scenario he is 
kind of like a later career Rajon Rondo, I think best case scenario, like you're looking at a guy who could become like a top three playmaker in the NBA. Ooh, those are that those are big, <laughs> big, big ambitions. Uh, Daniel, I'm guessing you had Lamelo number two on your board. I had Lamelo number two. I did. Mm. All right. So the next uh, the next pick, uh, we'll hand it over to Alex. Just Alex this time. No longer representing the people. Um, who do you take? Who's uh, who's drafting? Uh, I think you are, right? Or I mean, what team? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I uh, it is the Cleveland Cavaliers. So you can basically take anyone you want. All right, the Cavaliers want uh, Obi Toppin. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yep, yep. Is that a good pick? Hey, you know... I asked the person picky. Uh, actually, Obi is being mocked at, at in the top 10 in some mocks. Wow, so. there you go. I mean, maybe maybe I do speak for the people. Tell me about Obi Toppin, Alex. What what impressed you? I just like his size and how explosive he is. And actually, that's it. <laughs> but I think that's all you need. <laughs> um, I do I do have uh, this is kind of a tangent. So after watching all these highlight videos, I am a little confused at why so many of them include like fast breaks in which like. I don't know how much of that fast break really speaks to the skills of the players involved, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, there's, they just, it's a lot of times they're just in a good position and they run really fast and then they dunk. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I guess it looks good. That's the issue with, with these highlights, right? Is like, we don't, we didn't really do the uh, full tape breakdown, right? With the defense and the weaknesses. And all that, and the defense is a is a big one for Obi, Obi Toppin. Mm. Um, uh, Daniel, what do you think? I like this guy a lot. Like he was one of the best players in the NCAA last year. He's very mature, and I think that in like he might be one of the safer picks in the draft, and that he can just come in day one and really contribute both on the offensive and defensive ends. Just what I've really heard from interviews with some other people who are uh you know following these draft prospects like he seems like he is able to understand defensive concepts at a very advanced level already so i think that if anything is going to really buy him playing time early on yeah i think the biggest uh the biggest knock on him alex is his uh is his defense Mm -hmm. and his age and in some ways his offensive skill set is a little post-up heavy from what i understand um, but you know, I, I like his. You know, I think he has a lot of skills too. He reminded me of like Amari. Uh, he had some Amari Stoudemire in him, like late late career Amari Stoudemire, uh, when he wasn't as athletic and dunking on everybody. So you know, personally though, I had Toppin in the. He was my number ten guy. Um, I just feel like I think he's a good pick. He's a safe pick, but I have questions around like his defense, and I have questions around like how useful of a contributor is he actually going to going to be but hey he's versatile and he can shoot three so i i don't hate it either um so i'll take the next pick uh it is number six i believe we are at the atlanta hawks uh i'm going to take and this is a player i feel very conflicted about so i'm very interested to see what you guys think uh i'm gonna take denny Advija. The Israeli, uh, the Israeli player. He's six nine. 
He's got all these interesting skills. He's got like ball handling. He's got passing. He's even got defensive hustle. He can sort of sometimes shoot threes, but he doesn't really excel at any one thing. So I think in like my ideal scenario, he has to figure out like what his best skills are. Um, now the issue was like a lot of his highlights we watched were Euro League highlights where he isn't like the main star of the team. Whereas if you watch like apparently if you watch like his uh, his highlights of playing for Israel's national team, uh, the youth team, he's like the leader on that team and gets the ball a lot more. So I don't know. I feel very conflicted about him, but I also feel like he has potential. And like at six nine, if you can get a guy who has these set of skills, and if he figures out how to excel at, a, at one of those skills, he's even really good. But at the same time, part of me also thinks like he could end up being like I don't know a Mario Hazonia type player with a 6'8", 6'9", with all these skills, but not really good at anything. So I don't know. What, how did you guys feel about uh, Denny, the first uh, international player taken? You know, like he was getting some like top three buzz a couple months ago, and I didn't really love it because, you know, similarly, he's not really a dominant force. Like he's very good at many things, like you say, but you know, usually for a top pick, I want them to have like one skill that's already NBA ready and then other skills that they can build upon. But for him, I think that the Hawks are actually a really great fit because you slot him in next to people like Trey Young and Kevin Herter and Clint Capella. And like number one, like he feels a need for them. And I think he's going to get playing time, you know, get a nice rotation with him, Herter, uh, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. All those guys bring like a different skill set to the table. So I think it's a nice fit and he'd be able to really work well with a high scoring point guard like Trey Young. Yeah, that's the thing. He can really, I feel like at his at his best, he could really play with anybody. Like at his best, he could be like a really poor man's, uh, really, really poor man's Draymond in some ways. That's that's how I'm thinking. But uh, Alex, any thoughts about the international prospect? I don't. I mean, I think my only comment is that it's so challenging watching uh, these highlights from these other leagues and trying to, like you said, convert them to like, you know, how that compares to like, NCAA play or in a different team in which like he plays a different role uh, so I'm guessing he was mostly a question mark for you and the people yeah because the people like the cop <laughs> I think the top comment was like the floor is like Mario Hazonia and then the ceilings Luka Doncic and that says <laughs> that gives me nothing I don't even <laughs> think that's a good like what is that comedy even saying it's not <laughs> yeah. saying anything <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah um yeah we'll we'll keep it going uh we will swing back to daniel for the next pick it's pick number seven the detroit pistons are on the board all right so now we talked about killian hayes a little bit i think he was sliding really well with the pistons the pistons out of all the rosters i'm seeing in the top 10 are in the worst position even worse than the knicks and for them they could use help all across the board um but i think you slot in this kid this young guy from france he can learn under Derrick Rose for as long as Rose is still there in Detroit. And then who knows, like depending on how his first season or two goes, like maybe Detroit has like a building block that they can really work on. And we talked about all the potential that he has at age 18 as well. He could even blossom, you know, into uh, a superstar over the course of these next few years. I'm just a little bit worried because I haven't seen it on film yet, but it doesn't mean that he won't be able to get there. Uh, yeah, that's a good take. Uh, he could fit in really well. But also, I've taken him off the board already. So, Daniel, you're going to have to you're gonna have to take somebody to? new. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Nice try there. Who'd you send him to? That was a good... I sent him to your Hornets. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I'm so You hated upset. it so I... much, you, you erased it from your mind. I absolutely erased it from my mind. That's terrible. <laughs> That's so bad. Okay, in this case, I'm going to go with my favorite scorer in the draft, and that's Tyrell Terry out of Stanford. I oh, think yeah. that he's a really exciting kid. He's a bit, He's got a great shooting touch already. I think he surprised a lot of people when he came in and uh, weighed a little bit more than he had done at his playing weight at Stanford. Um, and so overall, again, if you're going to try to inject some excitement into the Pistons lineup, I think he's a good guy to start with. Yeah, I, I like it. Alex, something that you you would not have the information of is that, yeah, Tyrell Terry apparently gained like a ton of muscle uh, after the college season ended. Um, but yeah, do you have any thoughts? Tyrell Terry, 6'2". I don't. <laughs> but thanks for the key key insight. Yeah. That, not, that not changes a... the rankings, but it's too late now. It's too late now. It's too late now. All right, we'll go to... We'll, we'll hand it over to you, Alex. So number eight, you're picking for my team. You're picking for the New York Knicks. Who's going to save the New York Knicks, Alex? Oh, jeez. Save so, us. Number eight. Uh, I mean, y'all don't need a point forward, right? I, w- I would take uh, anything. At this you point. would take anything. It would be between Okamu or Devin Vassell. Oh, okay. And Walkers. I... I'm going to go with the Kamu just because um, I think uh, Daniel mentioned earlier, there is kind of like streaks of like maybe BAM-esque play at hand. And I think like the potential there is, is very exciting. Someone that could, someone that could post up, but also like um, have the versatility to kind of get you points when you need it as well. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Okamu is someone who has mocked, uh, been mocked pretty high up. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think he, he seems like a good, a useful, a really useful piece. Although Knicks fans might be looking for someone a little more uh, uh, flashy. Uh, I don't know, Daniel, you, you mentioned Okamu earlier. You, you seem to like him. Um, what really shines as, like, his top skill? I think for him, like, he's an incredibly explosive athlete. And he's able to display that both on the pick and roll and also as a post-up guy down low. And I know that like post-ups are starting to be, you know, more or less like taken out of the modern NBA game, but there's still a role for a guy where you can just put him down there and get a guaranteed two points if he's got a mismatch. I think that in the clips that I've seen, he's able to finish with both hands, right and left. And in that case, like he's already fairly developed in that regard. Uh, Some of these other skills in terms of like playmaking and like trying to stretch his uh, shooting touch closer to like the uh, the mid-range and the perimeter can be worked on but I like the I like the fit that he has with the Knicks I think that he'd be able to fit in nicely there all right uh so number nine is the Washington Wizards I have my right now the the highest guy on my board is uh Tyrese Halliburton um, I don't know if he fits on the Wizards, but you know what? I think that um, let's just assume he gets traded because I I do feel like I was more intrigued by Halliburton than some of the other prospects. I think like Vassell, Vassell looks okay, but uh, he you know he's a three, he's like a good three and D guy. I don't know if I want to pick a three like a solid three and D guy in the top ten, but uh, yeah, Halliburton was interesting. He's got like 
good size, good playmaking, a really, really weird jump shot, but, you know, a really well-developed game. He's someone who I could see, like, could immediately contribute, either as, like, a point guard off the bench for the Wizards, or maybe he can even slot in alongside, like, John Wall or Bradley Beal and do some work there. So I really like Halliburton. I don't think he's, you know, I'm worried that he's not as elite athletically, and that might give him trouble. But I think as long as he develops some sort of crafty skills or crafty ways to get his shot off, he could be like a really decent point guard or really decent guard um, off the bench. So yeah, I'm gonna take Halliburton at the at, at the number eight spot. Um, so what do you guys think about him? I think that's a great pick, and that's actually who I was gonna pick next for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I imagine that like slotting someone like Halliburton in, someone who can like play off ball, but also be the primary playmaker for someone who's a score first guy like Devin Becker would, would have been like a really nice fit. Um, but at this point, like you said, the Wizards really just need talent across the board. Like we don't know if Bradley Beal is going to be there much longer, but while he is, I think that him and Halliburton would be a really interesting backcourt. All right. So you've got the, uh, we've done almost 10 picks in 30 minutes. This is your draft, uh, your draft rundown. Uh, Daniel, why don't you uh, why don't you uh, lead us out with the the number ten pick? This one's going to the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, so for the Suns team, like you know, we're always going to remember the uh, the Bubble Suns. I think that they're going to be one of my like lasting memories when I think back to what this COVID year was like. Um, but one crucial piece that they were missing was a three and D guy that would normally have been filled uh, by someone. Uh, you know, by someone, I'm trying to think exactly who their 3 and D guy was. I think it was Trevor Ariza who wasn't able to make it to the bubble. And so you slide in someone like Devin Vassell, someone who can be like that primary on-ball defender while also like spreading the floor with his range. I think that's a, I think that's a great fit for him and Aiden uh, as well as Devin Booker. That's a really nice like foundational uh, component that you've got for the Suns. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Vassal looked good. My only issue is, like, he looks like Mikhail Bridges, but but worse. Um, there there was, unfortunately, like, there was a Twitter video of him with a new altered jump shot that worried some folks. So there have been a few questions about uh, Devin Vassal at, at, you know, at this stage. But people are hoping that, you know, he will figure it out and not become a Markel Fault situation. Um, I don't know, Alex. Do you have any final thoughts about Devin Devin Vassell at number ten? Uh, no. I think uh, y'all covered most of it. All right. So that was ten picks in thirty minutes. Uh, we did view some other footage um, and you know look at some other 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 players, but I think these these are interesting top ten players to keep an eye on. But the fun thing about this draft is that this draft is going to be wild. There's really no there might not even be a consensus number one, which we haven't seen in a while. And unfortunately, the last time that happened, uh, I think Anthony Bennett went number one. But um, no consensus number one, not even a consensus top ten. So the this draft is going to be very interesting to watch and hopefully a pleasant distraction from the impending NBA season that is coming around the corner that has some of us stressed and worried. Uh, maybe me and Alex will stay on to talk a little bit about that. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks thanks for joining us for this draft talk. Thank you, Daniel, for bringing his uh, NBA draft enthusiasm and expertise. Perhaps when the draft is over, we can have a little bit of a uh, 
get together or put a piece together about where our picks went and where some unexpected things happened. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us. Turn over. All right, so we just say goodbye to Daniel, our draft expert. Uh, we did look at two other players who uh, were on our list of highlights. And to be honest, there's like many, many, many players who are actually very interesting in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Ringer's been putting out some great video content. But uh, yeah, Alex, what did you think about the two other players we looked at? Uh, we looked at Isaac Okoro and perhaps the bigger uh, mystery um Enigma is Alexei Pokuchevsky. Right. Yeah, so I, I took a look at both of their highlights and Okoru, uh I think I think he could definitely, you know, he has a lot of potential there. Uh, just from the clips, it seems like he has this like intensity and aggressiveness to his offense. He plays defense pretty well and so um yeah, I, I think there's definitely a lot there. Uh but for <laughs> but, <laughs> Pokuevsky, um, yeah, I don't know. You sent me this like four minute highlight video, and it's like uh, he's like this really tall, kind of lanky person. He's two hundred pounds at seven feet tall. He's fast, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have much more than that. I'm, I'm really not sure how I feel about him. I don't know if you have any thoughts. Um, yeah, Pokuchevsky is the biggest mystery in the draft. Um, he plays his basketball in Greece, which uh, and not at a, not a super high level. There are mm-hmm. some really good teams in Greece, but I don't think he plays for a really good team. Um, so a lot of people are talking about like the Giannis kind of story here. So uh, maybe what what we should do is send you over what Giannis's pre-draft highlights look like um, mm. when he was just a skinny like seven foot tall uh, right. Greek teenager. But yeah, it's really difficult to project players like Pokuchevsky. I think what I got out of his highlights was his jump shot looks really smooth. Mm-hmm. He's got a really good looking jump shot uh, at, at that age. But yeah, you're right. We can't, it's so hard to tell. Like, we have no idea how his other skills are going to develop. And they're going to have to if he's going to be like a seven foot tall player in the NBA. Right. So uh, I'm intrigued by him, but I'm also like, I don't know. I feel like if you're a GM and you take him in the top 10 and he sucks, like, you're getting fired. Yeah. Like, it's... <laughs> it's. I mean, it's, it's high risk, high reward, potentially. Yeah, yeah. He, he could be an interesting an interesting player. Um, uh, but yeah, I really don't know what to think. Like, his, his, his highlights literally look like a high school high school gym. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> So, but that's that's part of the fun with a lot of these uh, European or international prospects is that it's so difficult to like, you know, see how their footage translates. Like when Frank Milikina got drafted by the Knicks, I watched so much of these like French highlights, mm-hmm. and he was doing all these moves and stuff. He was like, he was like being the dominant scorer, but then you realize like, oh, Frank Milikina can't be the uh, the scorer in like the NBA, but he could right. in France. So, yeah. truly, truly a mystery. Um, mm-hmm. I know I don't expect you to watch the draft this year, Alex, but I would, uh, yeah, would encourage you to, you know, maybe maybe take a look at, uh, you know, tune in for the first five picks or something just to see how they're they're doing the presentation this year. They really do try to make it an event. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I I think just like as someone that's not too familiar with this process, just kind of going through this, I think you know, and this is just stating the obvious, but it really like speaks to the challenge of trying to project and understand like 
how players will develop and who has the most potential and just like the nuances involved basically um and so that that's been an interesting process yeah it it does lead to this interesting conversation around like uh bias and Mm -hmm. like how do we look at certain players like for example like uh i don't know like everyone talks about jeremy lynn right because jeremy lynn basically went undrafted right or even someone like fred van fleet wasn't Mm -hmm. picked and what wasn't picked either yeah so it's like you know what kind of were were there certain biases that folks were folks were looking when they were looking at closely at these players um Mm. or maybe they just worked really hard that too could be both maybe they just pulled themselves up by their bootstraps (laughs) you know these under (laughs) yeah the Carusos of the world, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I also wanted to get your thoughts, Alex. Like, maybe we still have, like, maybe five-ish minutes to, to chit-chat a little bit. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the league has come to an agreement uh, with the players in terms of when the NBA season is going to resume. So it is going to happen in December. Right. Um, and, you know, COVID cases are at an all-time high. So I don't yeah. know. How do you... <laughs> How are you taking in all this information and trying to like figure out like what the future of the NBA is going to look like? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I I think there's actually a, a few things to think about. I think one is kind of this very short or or short feeling off season, uh, and I think like I'm sharing the sentiments of like maybe LeBron James and Jimmy Butler, in which like it does seem like such a quick turnaround. And so, unlike I feel like a usual off season, in which like we're kind of like you know, excited for the season to come back because it's been a while since we've seen basketball and like there's there's these summer months where there was just no basketball at all. I think uh, this time around, it almost feels like oh, basketball's already like back already. Like I feel like I'm not as excited because there hasn't been kind of the standard off season. Um, but on top of that, like you mentioned, uh, we're also currently in a pandemic, and so I think that's been very challenging to process and work through because you know basketball is something that we all kind of love to watch and love uh, where we're all invested in in some way um but also understanding that there's all these other things happening um and i think for me i'm mostly frustrated by this idea that they're also like probably not going to do uh the bubble and so uh and there's also like talks about how they're going to try to have um you know some people um some crowds and like uh having having that uh in the stadiums and so for me it's really just kind of a lot of the combination of the two things makes me feel like okay first of all it hasn't been that long since basketball so i'm not really that excited for it to come back plus just like the state of you know uh america right now like makes it hard for me to feel genuinely excited about more basketball and so um, I think we'll, we'll see how, I guess, like we all feel a month from now, but as of right now, uh, it isn't like the most kind of exciting news. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely feel like, I definitely feel like we're back in March again, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, they stopped play because, because we were supposed to be able to figure out this whole pandemic thing by the next season. Right. You know? Right. And we haven't, and if anything, things are things are almost worse in a lot of ways. Yeah. And yeah, now this like now there's this. I, I I really think a lot of it was on MLB and NFL showing that like oh we can have live sports uh, as long right. as you modify certain things. 
which I still don't feel too great about. Right. Considering and, a, like, and as long as we kind of just like accept, <laughs> accept that people will get COVID. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like, and it's like there was so much like precaution. You know, players weren't even going to the bubble, and the bubble is to, is was considered like the, you know, the safest option, and players were already kind of opting out of that. Right. So, you know, and to be to be fair, it was for different reasons, not not just for health health reasons mm-hmm. too, but yeah, I really it's it's really confusing to me, and it's really like I don't know it it doesn't feel very good, and I know people are talking about like the whole vaccine thing, but I really think we have to. You know, I'm not a scientist. We'll see what happens uh, with that. Right. I, I also want to add, like, it does feel like, especially in L.A., that, like, you know, the, like, we're not out of this yet. And even with, like, the new presidency coming around, if it does come around, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's still a lot of issues that need to be solved economically um, as well. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, you know, I'm wondering if when the league starts, are they going to, you know, I think Adam Silver has said we, we think things are going to go resume back to normal, right? Right. So, like, right. does that mean the league is dropping the BLM messaging and dropping right. the voting messaging? Is the job finished? Um, you know, and I, I think I, I see that happening, and I also see, like, the owners probably, you know, quietly quietly doing their police reform programs but not really pushing anything uh anything significant so i do feel like there is this the nba in a lot of ways is really excited to return to the status quo right right but it is uh, you know i i I think um similar to how the nba as a league and the players and the fans like us and, and people that interact with the nba and and basketball in some way we have to kind of reckon with what it means when, you know, these systems try to return to normalcy. And we've, I mean, in some ways we've already reckoned with that a, a few times. And so, yeah, with, with um, Gobert kind of shutting down the NBA and then again Gobert with shutting <laughs> single-handedly <laughs> yeah. shutting down the NBA, but also with um, the strike that was initiated by the Bucks. Um, I, I, I think there's been multiple times in which we've had to ask this question and the players have to ask this question and the league has to ask this question where it's like, what makes sense? What are our priorities? What's the best way, you know, forward in which like we can, you know, enjoy this sport, but also like figure these other things out. Um, and I think, you know, it's possible that we can, you know, hold multiple feelings at once in which like we can feel excited to watch basketball but also understand kind of the underlying systems that play and kind of these contradictions that exist where it's like yeah you know as this pandemic is getting worse um as we have to reckon with you know um police brutality against black folks like there are contradictions in which we're 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 also at the same time talking about you know draft picks and you know watching basketball and watching you know these rich folks play basketball uh and i think those are like important questions to keep top of mind so i think regardless of how things uh move forward i think what's most important is that we continuously uh reflect on it and and kind of work through um what's kind of the best course of action and that that applies you know from the top down from 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 the league to the players hopefully to 
everyone that interacts and enjoys basketball. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, I'll, I'll be very curious to see, especially with the players, um, how they might approach some of these things going forward. Um, but yeah, ultimately I guess, I guess we'll, we'll just see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it's like, um, but I, but I also think like holding space for contradiction is, is what hopefully also leads to actions and, and measures and critiques and stuff like that too. Right. So, um, yeah, um, stay tuned with us. We'll probably be back in, uh, uh, maybe in a month, maybe sooner than that. Actually, we have mm-hmm. some some great pieces in the work that we're tr- trying to figure out how we want to present um, about our favorite NBA governors. <laughs> right? <laughs> Stay tuned for that. Yeah. Stay tuned for our favorite. Jeez. Oh, okay. Top, top five favorite governors. <laughs> top five. Favorite... <laughs> oh my gosh. Mine's definitely the uh, new jazz guy. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. All right, bye.